Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Good morning, Hope Elam. Oh, let's try it again. You're 11 o'clock, folks. Come on. Good morning, Hope Elam. All right. Good to see you. So glad that you're here. My name's John, one of the pastors here, and it is so great to worship with you today. Praise God for our worship team. Can we give God praise for our team one more time? Absolutely. I want to welcome those of you that are in our online church family as well as those in the room. It is good to be the church today. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. That was the chant. That was the mantra of this football team. I don't know how many of you remember the show Friday Night Lights. It was a TV show. It was also a movie uh, several years back. And even if you don't remember it, this mantra, this phrase kind of ran through college and professional, I'm sure high school athletics at the time. But this coach would give these impassioned speeches to his football team. And then always their closing mantra, he would say, clear eyes, full heart. And their response was, can't lose. And I, I don't know, the nine o'clock was a little sleepy on me this morning. I think you're going to make up for it this morning. I say clear, clear eyes, full heart. You respond, can't lose. Let's try it. Clear eyes, full heart. Oh, you got it. Awesome. I knew there was more of you than that. That's awesome. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And like I said, that became the, the mantra of the football team. And I hear about that. I think that's, that's what God wants for us today. That is our prayer. That is our desire that as you leave this place today, that you would believe that about your relationship with God. That I have clear eyes to see, that I have a full heart of his love, and that I can't lose, that I have victory, that I'm walking in victory in Jesus. But the reality is, and the reason that I start there and with that opening clip, is because not all of us are there. Including me many times. But feelings are not the deepest thing about us. Amen? What we know to be true is always deeper than what we feel. And what I want you to experience today is that, but for a lot of us, it's the opposite. We don't have clear eyes. Our vision is a little blurry. COVID continues to hang around. Maybe you've experienced grief or loss in your family. There's relationship struggles going on. You can't see your way clearly. You're looking for direction in your life. Where do I go next? How do I navigate this season? I don't have clear eyes. I don't know what God's purpose and his direction for me is. I, I want a full heart, but it's anything but full. I'm, if, 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 my, if my heart is this big barrel up on stage here today, I, it's empty. It's way even below the halfway line. I, I feel dry. I feel empty. There's a distance between me and my relationship with God. It's not a full heart. Can't lose. <laughs> Some of you can't remember the last time you won. Some of you may be having a hard time feeling like you're walking in victory today because you just feel like you're not winning at all. Like you can't remember the last time there was a win at work, that there was a win in your marriage, that there's a win in your finances or being able to make it through another month to pay the bills. You don't feel like you're winning, you feel like you're losing and so that's a long way off. Well, the good news today and the offer of Jesus that we're gonna hear about in this story and that offer is true for every single one of us today is clear eyes, 
to see the world the way that Jesus does, to see yourself the way he sees you, to have a full heart, to be filled up on his love and to where it's overflowing in your life and to walk in that victory. And that's what we're going to experience today. Clear eyes, full heart. Oh, one more time. Clear eyes, full heart. And here's the best news of all. For some of you that are looking for Jesus today, the good news is that he's already been looking for you. Amen? So as you go looking and you've been wandering around and trying to find life in all these areas, Jesus has been looking for you just like he was looking for a blind man on the road that day. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start Towards the end of that chapter, we've been in a sermon series called Let Me Tell You a Story. And it's just random stories, but they're all stories of Jesus or stories Jesus told. Some of our favorite Bible stories. And we're going to dig into the story that you heard Susan read for us of blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10 of Jesus who has come looking for us. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to skip down. We're going to start around verse 47, 46 in there. Jesus and the disciples are leaving the town of Jericho. They're exiting, and they see on the side of the road, Jesus spots this man named Bartimaeus, who is a blind man. Now, to set the scene for the story, you've got to know, number one, that he's blind, which pretty much in those days means that he was resigned to a life of begging, of poverty. Blind beggar is pretty much synonymous. It means the same thing. And because of that, the second thing we know about this situation is that this man, Bartimaeus, is stuck in his circumstances. This is where he's at. His circumstances are defining who he is. Unless there's some sort of divine intervention from God, this is his lot in life. He is stuck in his circumstances. You ever been there? Some of you might feel like you're on the side of the road today as well. And you're stuck in your circumstances and you're not quite sure how things are going to roll after that. Which is why we read in verse 47, we read this. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. And let's read this nice and loud together as if we're shouting it out ourselves. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now why is he shouting out, right? Because he can only hear. When you have a physical deficiency, you make up for it. Your other senses become more attuned. And so for Bartimaeus, chances are that he had a heightened sense of hearing. And so when the crowd is all in a stir and he can hear the crowd and, and, and rustling all of that, he hears, hears, oh, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. The first thing he does is call out in desperation. And this is one of the reasons I love this story. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. One of the reasons I love Bartimaeus is his desperation for Jesus. His desperation for Jesus, and not just desperation, but his persistence in getting to Jesus. The next verse says that the crowd said, shh, stop making such a ruckus. In other words, there was many in the crowd that day to say, Bartimaeus, this is Jesus. He's the son of God. You really think that he has time for you? Some of you don't pray because you believe the same thing. Some of you can't remember the last time that you actually poured out your heart to God because you're convinced he's got better things to do. You're convinced he's got better things to worry about, so I'm not going to bring that to Jesus because chances are everybody in the crowd thought that day, he's not stopping to help a blind man. It's Jesus. He's been teaching in the synagogues. He's got to go. He's got to do all these amazing, he's not going to stop by and help this beggar. 
But Bartimaeus calls out, and even in his desperation, in his persistence, and Jesus stops. And I want to pause right there because I want to draw a connection for you, a link for you between what is happening in this story and what we see all throughout the Gospels. When you read the accounts of people interacting with Jesus and the way that these stories happen in the Gospels, it is not the religious elite that are captivated by Jesus. It is not the so-called church-appropriate people or the religious people. It is not people that are full on themselves. It is not people that have it all together. It is not people that think they have all the answers. It is not people that think they are better than the next person that are captivated by Jesus. It is the left behind, the left over, and the left out. It is the people that are the outcasts, the sinners, the broken, the needy that are desperate and captivated by Jesus, that are going to do anything to get to him. What we do see in the Gospels is people walking hundreds of miles to touch the hem of his robe. We see people leaving everything behind. People tore roofs off to get to Jesus. And if I can be so honest, some of us are like, I don't know if I can do an hour a week. I don't really feel like getting out of bed this morning. I've gone twice to church this month already. I'll just mail it in. And yet there's something about Jesus and the attractiveness and the stickiness of Jesus. I gotta be with this man. That if Jesus shows up, I want to be there. When's the last time that you were desperate for Jesus? And if you can't remember the last time you were desperate for Jesus, I don't want you to feel this unnecessary guilt and shame right now. The good news is that it's not about you trying harder to be best desperate for Jesus. You might just need to take another look at Jesus. It's not about, it's never been about you. It's always been about him. And so if you're feeling kind of dry or empty in your relationship with God this morning, read the stories again and fall in love with Jesus all over again. What was it that made people tear the roof off of a house to get to Jesus that I might be missing in my life today? Bartimaeus knew that. All these people in the Gospels, they knew that. Back to the story, verse 49. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said to the crowd, tell him to come here. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up, they said. He's, one, he's calling you. Verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. I don't know, this is how my mind works. And this is very, I know, it's very astute, deep theological work right now. But when I think of the story of Bartimaeus and running to Jesus and throwing off of his cloak, of course I think of Forrest Gump, because that's where my mind goes. When Lieutenant Dan is there and he's on the dock and Forrest Gump sees him, he's like, I gotta get to Lieutenant Dan, right? And he leaves his boat, which is moving, and he literally just throws off his coat. He jumps into the water, swims. You remember this scene? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, and he swims over to Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan! And then his boat just keeps going and he crashes into the dock, right? That's my boat, right? I would imagine for Bartimaeus it was the same thing. I don't care what people think anymore. I got to get to Jesus. I don't care what everybody else is saying around. I, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care in worship. Some of you are way too aware of what's going on around you and not as aware of what's going on inside of you. It does not matter what's going on around you. And for Bartimaeus, if he would have listened to the crowd, he would have missed out on the healing of Jesus Christ. If he would have focused on what's going on around him, he would have missed what God had for him that day. Man, sometimes we just got to remember what was so captivating about 
Jesus, what if these stories in the Gospels were not recorded so you and I could go, oh, that's so nice. I'm sure, I'm sure Bartimaeus really needed Jesus. These stories in the gospel were written as pictures of what the church is supposed to be like. That when Jesus is in the hood, that if I, get, if I hear word that Jesus is in the neighborhood, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And the posture of our hearts when we walk through those doors every single week, or those doors if you're in the balcony, or hop online, for, our posture of our heart is, I heard that Yahweh's in the house. I heard that the presence of God is in the house. And so I'm here. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's singing. I want to get to the presence of God. That's the most important thing. I don't want to miss it because I heard that Jesus is close. Son of David, have mercy on me. My life's a mess. And that's why I'm, I'm not here today because I'm good enough. None of us are here today because we're good enough to be in church. We're here today because we're not good enough. And grace overflows in this place when you walk through those doors. That's why we're here. It's the desperation of Jesus. But for many of us, we never get to that point. Bartimaeus could have stayed where he was at, and you can too. It is perfectly simple and easy for us to come in and, and, and worship and experience God and stay exactly where we are. You know, you could physically move around, but spiritually never change. Here's a profound statement. Wherever you are, there you are. And you bring your stuff with you. But it doesn't mean that, that something's changing on the inside. And just like Bartimaeus, you and I stay on the side of the road for a variety of reasons. We stay stuck in our circumstances. The first one is just the reality of weariness. Can we be honest for a second? It's not like we haven't been honest the entire time. Can we be really honest? Some of you are exhausted. Some of you are very weary. Hebrews 12 says, do not grow weary and lose heart. And some of us have over the last couple years. There's some things that have been going on in your life and you're just about ready to throw in the towel. And maybe you're here this morning. You're like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give it one more shot. I'm just gonna come to church. I'll sit there. I'll listen to what the guy has to say, but I'm just gonna mail it in. Because I'm weary. I've tried praying, John. I've tried worshiping but it feels like God just won't come through and I'm weary and I'm not going to put myself out there again and I'm not going to try again. I guess Bartimaeus felt that every single day of his life. Blind from birth, I got gypped. And I have to every single day hear these people coming and going, living their life, and here I am sitting on the side of the road. It's weariness. And when weariness sets in for a long enough time, if we let it get into our hearts, it becomes bitterness. And we become cynical. And we become jaded. And the only problem with living your life that way is that it feels good for a little bit, but then little by little, it just sucks the joy out of your life. And I got really good news for you this morning. <laughs> it wasn't always that way. For those of you that could use a fill-up on the joy of Jesus Christ today, it hasn't always been that way. Your tank used to be full. And just little by little by little, the demands of life and all the complexities of life just sucked it out of you. But it wasn't always that way. I know that there is a little child in each of you. And do you want to know why? It's because I stopped into VBS training this week. And I went up to the chapel, and there was a room that was over, by the way, a parking lot 
full in the middle of July, a chapel full in the middle of July with hundreds of volunteers getting their yeehaw on. So praise God for that, right? I tell you what, I saw some of you, and I'm just going to be honest, some of you, I never see your hands get above your waist in worship. You're just hold the big screen TV. That's kind of, that's hold the big screen TV. That's as much as hand raising as you get, and that's okay. It's not about what's going on out here. It's about what's going on in here. Amen? But I saw some of you, you're like, I am not raising my hands in worship. That's not who I am. And you were riding that horse and yeehaw and the whole bit. I know you have it in you. I know you have it in you, church people. You can do it. The whole bit. There was joy that filled that room. And you know what else filled that room? Pain. What? How's that possible? I, I can discover joy amidst the pain? Abs, I know some of the stories in that room. And you've got cowboy hats on, and you're going to chase hundreds of kids around this place for the next week. Because everything's perfect in your life? No, because it's not. You doing that was the equivalent for some of you of dancing in the rain. Sometimes you got to worship through your pain. It doesn't mean that, that things always change. It doesn't mean that your circumstances change. Something in Bartimaeus said, this is my shot. And I'm not going to miss it. Well, Hamilton in there for you. I'm not throwing away my shot, right? For all you Hamilton fans. This is his shot. I'm going to call out to Jesus in the middle of my pain. I'm not going to let it go to my heart. I'm not going to become numb. I'm not going to become a cynic. I'm not going to become jaded. It, it, it's all over this church. If you think you, that you walked into a church, everything's perfect in this great big church, and we got lights and sound and VBS and all of this, there's a lot of hurt in this church. There's a lot of pain, and in the midst of it, there's a ton of joy. Why? Because our joy is not dependent on our circumstances, right? Whether it's, whether it's vacation Bible school or at the same time uh, that, that that's going on upstairs, downstairs, our pastoral call team is meeting. And I can tell you there's a lot of joy in that room as well. And I'm in, I tell you what, I love this group of people. We've been meeting over the last month or so. There is an incredible amount of joy in that room as well. And, dare I say, an incredible amount of excitement about the future of our church as well. There is anticipation. There is excitement. We hope to have some news for you at some point in the very new future. I'm not going to put a timeline on it. But there's a lot of joy in that room. There's a lot of unity in that room. There's a lot of excitement about the future. And you know what else is in that room? Pain. <laughs> Imperfection. Things going on in people's lives. Joy, for a follower of Jesus, joy and pain can coexist beautifully. Beautifully. And Jesus demonstrates that in the life of Bartimaeus. If we don't let it go to our heart, go ahead and go to the next slide. If it's not weariness, if it's not bitterness, we just become numb. And if we're honest, this is where some of you are. Because Jesus hasn't come through for me. I want to experience the joy, but I can't find it because I've shut down my heart because that's the easiest way to do it. For some of you, when you're in pain, you go to the, the S's. You go to the screens. You go to the substances. Or you go to the stuff. Which one do you run to? Which one is your band-aid? When you have got a gaping open wound, a hurt, a pain, a struggle in your life, what band-aid do you try throw on there fix it? Screens? It's fun for a while. Substances maybe numbs the pain for a night. And then all the regret comes in the morning. Or stuff is never going to fill you up. 
And I bet Bartimaeus tried all three. Which one trips you up? What's keeping you on the side of the road today? What's keeping you stuck? Where have you let your heart drift to? And if I'm Bartimaeus, I've tried all of them, but something in him rose up. Something was different about Bartimaeus. And I will say this. I, I, have, I have heard it said. I'm sure a lot of people have said this. But we don't truly change until the pain of staying where we're at is greater than the pain of changing. At some point in our lives, we realize I have to go from here to there. I can't stay where I'm at physically, emotionally, spiritually, in my earthly relationships, and most importantly, in my relationship with God. I can't stay where I'm at. That was the posture of Bartimaeus that day. Something has to change. And so he calls out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And then in verse 51, this is how Jesus responds. Let's read it nice and loud together. What do you want me to do for you? Sometime this week, I want you to get alone with Jesus. And if he asked you that question, what would you say? There's these little golden nuggets in some of these stories that if you would just slow down, the goal is not to get through the Bible. The goal is to let the Bible get through you. And if you're just, well, I did my Bible study for the day, check. You're going to miss little verses like that that could transform your life. Secondly, what miracle worker, what rabbi, what healer asks a blind man, what do you need? Uh, well, duh, Jesus, right? If you can't remember the last time you laughed reading the Gospels, you're not reading the Gospels correctly, all right? Think about this, right? If I'm, if I'm Bartimaeus, I'm saying, well, Jesus, I have this thing, and it's called blindness, and I would really like to be healed from that, right? Right? He maybe he's, oh, is Jesus mocking me? What do you want me to do for you? But if he would have been able to see, he would have seen the look of compassion in Jesus' eyes. There is no hint of mockery in Jesus' words. Instead, Jesus is asking him a deeper question. I know you're blind, Bartimaeus. What do you really need? Because sometimes when we come to Jesus in prayer, what we think we want is not what we really need. And Jesus is always on time, and he always gives us what we need, not just what we want. And chances are what we need is a few layers down from the presenting issue of what we want. And Jesus is always going after the heart. What do you want me to do for you? As any great physician, when you go to the doctor, what do they ask you? What do they say? Tell me where it hurts, Bartimaeus. In other words, Tell me your story. I want to know you, Bartimaeus. I see you. I know your name and I know your story. And he says the same thing to you this morning as well. Here's the reality. Even when you can't see Jesus, he sees you. Even when you can't find Jesus in the midst of your crazy, busy, mixed up life, Jesus, I've never left your presence. I see you. I know you. All of us have had somebody in our life that we could say the same thing about. You know that feeling. I can't quite describe it to you, but you have somebody in your life 
that has taken the time to sit with you, to be with you, to be fully present. They might even put their phone away. And no, turning it upside down on the table doesn't count to being fully present with somebody, okay? I'm talking about full-on presence that goes on for days or weeks or months or years. And that person took time to listen to you, to look you in the eyes, and to truly not just listen but understand you. And they've been there for you. And they show up time and time again. And at some point along the line, you say, oh, that friend, they get me. They see me. They understand me. Do you have one of those people in your life? I hope that you do. That's the power of community. And most importantly, the power of a relationship with God who says that to you this morning. I see you. I know who you really are, Bartimaeus. If you want to geek out a little bit on some of the, the original languages here, that his name, Bartimaeus, can mean a few different things. Most scholars will just say that it means son of the unclean. Bar in Aramaic means son. And there's a couple different ways that the Timaeus in the Greek can get translated. And one is just son of the unclean. Makes sense for Bartimaeus' narrative, the story of his life. But if you dig a little bit deeper and you put those together, the original uh, in the Aramaic there is bar, son. Timaeus can also mean honorable or highly prized an honored son could it be that Jesus didn't just heal Bartimaeus's blindness he gave him his identity back and he wants to do the same for you because some of you have been believing a lie about yourself for way too long and Jesus wants to heal you today by first starting with your identity the story that you have been telling yourself is not the real story of who you are. And some scholars would even say that Bartimaeus was given that. That may not even have been his real name because chances are because of his blindness, his parents probably disowned him when he was young. I don't know if Bartimaeus is his real name, but it's the narrative that he believed about himself. And you and I are the same thing. Jesus wants to give us our identity back because without realizing it, you and I will go through our lives. And you'll know those little name tags that you often get when you walk into a church function that say, hello, my name is. <laughs> you and I have a whole bunch of those on us. Oh, no, they're not on the outside. They're on the inside where it matters the most, where it hurts the most. Hello, my name is alcoholic. Hello, my name is divorced. Hello, my name is failure, mistake. Ugly, unwanted, unworthy, whatever it is, workaholic, tough guy, tough girl, I don't cry, I don't have emotions, I don't have feelings. When people get close, I don't let them in. What is the story? What is the name tag that you yourself have slapped on you or somebody in your life to this point has slapped on you? When you meet Jesus, all of those name tags fall off. And you realize that the most important word, the first word, the middle word, the last word, and every word in between that matters about you is what your father says about you, that you are honorable, that you are highly prized, that you are a son or daughter, not of Timaeus, but of the king of kings and lord of lords, and he gets to define who you are. That is who you are. Many of us have allowed our circumstances to define our identity. And the greatest journey that most of us will take in this life is Jesus detaching our identity from our circumstances. Detaching our identity from the narratives that we believe. You are who I say you are. 
Jesus says, let me give you clear eyes to see yourself the way that I see you. And when you have clear eyes, then you have a full heart. And when you have a full heart with God's love, that's how you can't lose. Clear eyes, full heart. But that's not easy. (laughs) And here's why. Because most of us love the idea of God changing our circumstances more than we love the idea of God changing us. I want all the blessings, but I don't want the giver of the blessings. I don't want him messing with me too much. I just want you to come and change my circumstances, but oh, okay, preacher boy, you're getting a little bit too close now. That's my story. Those are my wounds. That's my baggage. No, they're not. They're Jesus's, and he's taken them, and they've been nailed to the cross so that you don't have to bear it anymore. They're his, and they've already been taken care of. They're his. And by his wounds, we are healed. And if you think about what Jesus offered Bartimaeus and what he's offering every single one of us, yes, there's the physical healing, but there's the relational healing. When you grew up blind, if you had a physical deficiency, it was believed, and this is a lie from the pit of hell, but it was believed that there's some sort of sin in your family. And so you would be outcast from society. And so there's relational healing as Bartimaeus is now able to enter back into community. There's relational healing, but there's also emotional healing. Think about being ostracized. Think about living your entire life on the side of the road begging. Think about that kind of life and the shame and the guilt and the, the lies that you believe about yourself. Jesus is offering emotional healing. And so it is no wonder that at the end of this story, when Jesus says, son, Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. That word for healed in the Greek is sozo. Everybody say sozo. It's kind of fun to say sozo. Now sozo means salvation. It means rescued from certain death. But here's what I want you to see. The beauty of the Greek language is that one word can mean two different words in our English language. And so sozo does not just mean saved or rescued. It also means healed. To be made whole. And so maybe a better definition of sozo, when Jesus says, Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you, you have been made whole, spiritually, relationally, physically, and emotionally. The offer of Jesus for you today is sozo, salvation, healing, and that starts today. The healing that Jesus brought to Bartimaeus was available instantly, but I'm guessing it was experienced over time because Bartimaeus has got to choose just like you got to choose every single day. Am I going to step into who God says I am? Am I going to revert back to the old, the son of the unclean, or am I going to step into the new, the son, honorable son, highly prized? Which reality am I going to live into today? And that's why I've said it once and I'll say it again. Christian maturity is believing who God says you already are and living like it's true. That's what it is. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The gospel is not pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and be better and define who you are. Jesus defines who you are. And it's believing that and stepping into that reality. This is who I am now. I'm not who the world says I am. I'm not my mistakes. I'm not my past. I'm not on the side of the road anymore. I'm not going to stay in weariness or bitterness or numbness. I'm going to let Jesus define who I am. That is the greatest journey that you will ever take in your life, is letting him define you. It's all of that together. It's sozo. That's what he offers us. That's why the football coach in the film, over and over and over again, clear eyes, 
full heart. Can't lose. That's why you hear from this stage over and over again. Man, you preachers always talk about, what's our mission? What's our vision? What are we about? You want to know why? Because vision leaks. I can preach about it all day long. We can put it on every banner in this church. Well, what are we about again? I I got lost. I'm going to go with what the world says. Oh, no, black and white and brown can't worship together. No, no, we can't do that. That's what the world says. That's not what God says. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what your Bible says. Whose voices are we going to listen to? We have to step into the newness of what God has called. Are you going to live in the old wineskins or the new wineskins? Amen? That's the task that's set before us every single day. What we feel is not always what's true. What God says is what is true. And the danger is, is that you and I will hear this story today and you'll say, that's a great sermon, Pastor John. That is cute. That is great for Bartimaeus. And that is great for all those people that need healing. You know, those people. You know, my non-believer friends in my workplace. You know, my my neighbor that doesn't know Jesus. You know, those people down the street that don't go to church. You know, that person in my family that just doesn't get it that I've been praying for for years. You know, those people. You know, it might be the person you're sitting next to right now. Don't tell them that. Just think that in your head, right? It might be that, you know, those people. We, you and I will never see clearly until we realize that we are those people. I am one of those people. I'm Bartimaeus on the side of the road. You're Bartimaeus on the side of the road. And Jesus is still walking along the side of the road calling out to you. Are you going to get up and respond? That's the question today. He's inviting you to participate in sozo, in your holistic, complete healing, and that can start today. Not just in the clouds in heaven someday. Jesus says, step into that new life today. Jesus is still walking along the side of the road. He's looking for the lost. He's looking for those who are hurting, and he's calling out to you and I. That's what Jesus still does that. Every year around this time, as we get geared up for VBS, and you can see part of the the set, this is like a fourth of the set. There's more hidden back there, and it's going to be an awesome time. I am not looking forward to the fact that I am really out of shape, but maybe I will be by the end of this week. But it's going to be incredible. But every year, (laughs) the story catches up to me, and I was thinking about the story of Bartimaeus today, and I thought, well, that's it. That's the connection. A couple years ago, we... um, we realize that of the hundreds of kids that come for vacation Bible school, there's a lot, hundreds of kids that aren't here. It's great for the kids that are here, that your parents come to church, that you're already part of our fellowship here, but what about the hundreds of kids that never get to experience VBS? And so we decided to pick some of them up, or some of them just started walking. <laughs> homeless. Des Moines is one of the highest populations of youth homelessness in the country. You may not know that. Kids that parents work the third shift. They don't never see them. They come home from school. They never see their parents. Is God's love for them or is it just for the churchy kids? And we started to do this and we had kids show up and it was a new experience for us. And we have incredible volunteers that are highly gifted and trained and skilled. But over the course of the week, we realized that there was a group of kids that just had never experienced anything like this before. And so we had some struggles with boundaries. We had some discipline issues and we had to create a safe place spiritually and Physically, our our highest values here as a church, that every kid is safe. And they were making some choices, and we realized, and sometimes we forget, that sometimes love means boundaries. Sometimes love means discipline and tough love, and some of these kids have never experienced that before. And so we asked a group of kids, you you can't stay here today. 
we've called your parents, you have to go home today and we're going to try again tomorrow. There is absolute grace and there is boundaries. And those two can coexist together. See, we're, you're more than welcome to come back tomorrow. This was several years ago. And later that day, I was walking around the parking lot in my get-up or whatever I was, splash dude or whatever I was that year, and I was walking around our parking lot, and I see two little eyes just like that peek out from behind a car in the full parking lot. I said, well, that's not normal. I mean, normally our policy is we try to end the night with as many kids as we start with, and that's good. And normally we don't have kids wandering the parking lot, and I, and I looked, and I got a little bit closer, and here is this little boy, and I knew it exactly. He was in that group that we asked to go home last night. That's Donovan. I know Donovan. And I said, buddy, what are you doing? I said, you, it's not tomorrow. You can come back tomorrow. And he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I'm sorry, Splash Dude. He doesn't even know my name. I'm sorry, Splash Dude. I, I just wanted to come back. And then it dawned on me. He lives at least two, if not three miles away. This kid walked by himself two miles to hide in the parking lot to get a glimpse of Jesus. And I said, Donovan, what are you doing, buddy? And he said, I know I shouldn't be here. I know I have to wait till tomorrow, but I'm just wondering if I could come back and hear a little bit more about that Jesus man. Now we're doing church, Hope Elam. Now we're doing church. Dramatic pause, he's crying, I'm crying, and then he kind of lightens the mood and says, oh yeah, also, could I have another one of those t-shirts? Those are awesome. Yes, you can have as many t-shirts as you want. That's fine. I don't even know what I did in that moment. But it's like Mark 10 just came to life. And I just wonder as a church, do we have the same level of passion to get Jesus to kids as that kid had to get to Jesus? Because Donovan showed me what blind Bartimaeus must have been like that day. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't even care if they kick me out of EBS. I'm coming back because I need Jesus. And sometimes we wonder if I should get up and go to church in the morning. Sometimes I wonder, do I have what it takes to serve? Should I volunteer? Should I serve? Should I be involved? And we've got kids that are walking here from two miles away to get a glimpse of Jesus, to be Bartimaeus on the side of the road. Son of David, I need you. I'm desperate for you. This is who we are as a church. This is the love of God that is in this place. And if you would not stay on the side of the road one day longer, one moment longer, and you would call out to your Savior, you too could experience clear eyes and a full heart to where you can't lose. That's what Bartimaeus found out. That's what Donovan found out. And that's what you can find out as well. It's the amazing grace of Jesus Christ that finds us when we're hiding on the side of the road outside Jericho or finds us when we're hiding behind a car in the parking lot at Vacation Bible School. And he finds you today sitting right there in your pew, wherever you are. He knows your story and he knows your name and he has healing available for you today. Amen? It's his amazing grace. It's a, amen? It's his amazing grace. I'm going to invite Jed and Deshaun to come out here and join me on stage because we don't want to just talk about it. We want to sing about it. We want to worship about it. All these things that God is doing, it's his amazing grace that finds us. And I don't know about you, but we are extremely, extremely blessed to have the worship leaders that we do in this church. Can I get an amen? Can I get a praise God for that? So... 
I guess all the cool kids wear white shoes. I didn't get the memo on that today, but um, we want to share uh, some news with you today, but I will say this, is there's that same amazing grace that finds us, that calls us, <laughs> is available for us today. Jesus finds us. He knows what he's doing in our life, and he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. Jed, take it away. Thank you. No matter whether you've been following Jesus for a week or whether you've been following him for eight decades, God is always pursuing us. Every single one of us, every moment of our life, God is pursuing us and healing us and transforming us and sometimes calling us to different places. Um, we found out about, uh, oh, maybe you were talking to us oh, maybe three weeks ago, uh, probably off a little bit, um, but God has been calling Deshaun to a different season and to a different place at this moment in time. And by the end of the month, Deshaun's going to be moving to Minnesota to be with family, to hear God's voice, to reset, and to recharge. And I think uh, you guys know just as much as I do what Deshaun has meant to our church and to our congregation. It's could not imagine that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. You guys are an awesome church. Awesome, powerful. Uh, I couldn't have made it through the last year without you, without the love, without the prayers, without the support. Um, but Pastor Cardin said, come use your gift. Let it make room for you. And I was obedient, and I came, and I used my gift. Um, and as I used my gift and just was obedient to Jesus, he called, and I came. And I didn't try to get everything together first. I just came. And as I was doing, well, let's just say, call it what it is, being obedient, um, he broke off the chains, he broke off the depression, he broke off some of the things that I was dealing with as I was worshiping So, and leading others to worship. So my encouragement is to do what he tells you to do. And as you're doing it, God will break off every chain and every shackle. Amen. And he give you what he gave me, which was a sozo moment with him. I think we all need that. And because of that, I'm able to move forward. So pray for me and I'll continue to pray for you that the Holy Spirit continues to lead guide and direct us into all truth amen, amen. that's why he's amazing that's why his grace is amazing amen so Deshaun's not going anywhere he'll be with us next week as well he didn't want to miss VBS um, Deshaun's a very country western type person I got some boots at the yeah the you closet. do yeah so Deshaun's moving to Minnesota. What you may not know is that Deshaun's also Norwegian. Uh, as I'm just kidding. I, I know he's not. You are one of a kind, brother. And although we will miss you, we are incredibly excited for what God is doing in your life and what he's going to continue to do through you. Um, we're going to close in worship today, but we, let's just pray for Deshaun quick if we could. If you're online, reach out a hand. Wherever you are in the room, just reach out a hand, and let's pray a prayer blessing 
on our brother. God, we love you and we love our brother Deshaun. God, we know that it's just as you said in the book of Esther, God, that you call certain people for a certain purpose, God, for such a time as this. God, and you blessed us with Deshaun and, and his gifts. God, you made room for his gifts here, and you're going to continue to do that in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come. God, we have no doubt you have an incredible plan and a purpose for Deshaun's life, God. And so we send him from this place, God, as a missionary to whatever you called him to next, to the ministry that you've called him to. God, bring healing, continue to bring restoration in his life, bring rest for him as well. God, we love you and we love our brother. God, send your richest blessings upon his life. Watch over him, keep him, protect him, God, and send him from this place. God, we love you and we thank you for your amazing grace. We pray all of this in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. amen. We're not just going to talk about it, remain standing. We're going to sing about it. Put your hands together for some amazing grace. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.